coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Bring it back to those those days where people come up, feel comfortable here to have a glass of wine, some really good beer, hopefully some champagne, because, I mean, you'll find me drinking champagne mostly. That's what I've been drinking a lot of lately. Yeah. <laughs> champagne and potato chips. Yes. No, it, it, it's a great pairing, and also it's, uh, it's good for your soul. It, it is. is. For bottles that we will be starting off with, we'll have 177 bottles uh, when we open up the door. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have 115 reds, uh, 42 uh, bottles of white wine, 16 bottles, different uh, varietals of uh, bubbles, and four uh, different rosés. And nice. uh, in total, we'll have about 73 by the glass to start with. Oh, that's great. They, they always say test wine in the morning when you first wake up because your palate tends to be the, the cleanest. That's what I'm so, going to say when I drink in the morning now. I'm, te- yeah, I'm yeah. testing That's, the wine. Yeah, yeah you, you got to <laughs> test it. So, uh... Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to. But you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button, and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Chris Ciarcia. Chris is the former GM and sommelier at Anada, and is now opening his new place, Sauvignon Wine Locker and American Trattoria. At the top of the show, we will be talking about two recent food trends that include ketchup and tacos. We We have have a great great show, show, so stick around. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, booya? Barbecue. It's what's on the menu. Here in St. Pete, we have a special place that's unlike any other barbecue joint. Dr. Barbecue is a restaurant for foodies. Dr. Barbecue is also the dude that's a barbecue hall of famer that won over 400 competitions. We'd say he knows a thing or two about barbecue, but let's hear from the man himself. Hey, it's Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. A couple of years ago, after almost 40 years of cooking barbecue, I decided to open a restaurant, and St. Petersburg was the perfect spot. I'd been living here for 10 years, so why not? At Dr. Barbecue's, we cook all our meats the old school way, in our huge smokers over oak wood, 
low and slow. Even the most critical experts agree that we've got the best barbecue in town. But it's not just about the meats. We've got great house-made sides, handcrafted sandwiches, and even a healthy selection of vegan and vegetarian options. Add in a really fun brunch, two bars, and a friendly staff, and I think you'll be glad you joined us. We're at 1101 First Avenue South in the Edge District, right by the roundabout. Get yourself to Dr. Barbecue, pronto. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish well-watered taste, they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore, so they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. Before we have Chris, I have a couple of things going on in the food world. Quesa Berea Tacos. Right. Now, this one isn't new, new, because it's been a hot trend for at least the last year. Yes, And it, it continues to be, though. And if you thought tacos in general were messy, you ain't seen nothing yet until you've had a Quesa Berea taco. So they've been plastered all over social media. And if you want to try them, uh, I know of two excellent places in St. Pete, Nueva Cantina in South St. Pete. And Taquitos Mexican in the Bay Pines area. They're both making them. Right. So Berea is actually a Mexican stew, traditionally made with goat and sometimes with beef or lamb. And people sometimes say Berea tacos, which are a thing, but the thing is quesa Berea tacos. Right. So they take meat from the Berea stew and put it inside the taco shell, and then they add cheese. Now, there's different meats, different cheeses. That's why I'm being general about this. The taco is then dipped in the stew and then fried. And Which makes it look like burnt and people say, oh, that taco's burnt. It looks yeah, awful. Yeah, because they don't know any better. Right, right. And, and as if that's not messy enough, they are then served with a cup of beef consomme that you dip them in as you eat. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? Yes. I've not tried one, but I know you have had No, one. I haven't either. You haven't either. It's, I know. It's amazing, oh, right? So we're going to have to go get some. We do, yeah. And by the way, I know Bay Pines is way out there, but... They have excellent food at Taquitos. They do it in a way for Cantina too, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying it's worth the drive. Right. The other thing is there's now a ketchup shortage. Seriously? And that's spelled with a K. So only Heinz. Yes, because that's all anyone wants. Right. <laughs> so the pandemic uh, you know, turned many sit-down restaurants into takeout specialists, making individual ketchup packets the primary condiment currency. And that's for national chains and small mom and pop restaurants. And packet prices are up 13% since January 2020. They should stop just putting them in, in like, you know, because it's natural. Because most people have their own ketchup at home. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I I'm don't like, understand why they don't. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to bring up on this is like, I'm like, there's a ketchup shortage? Right, right. I, I have ketchup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this happens all the time. Like when we order uh, Asian food, they, and we tell them we don't need anything. Don't need they anything. throw in all the stuff, we, yeah. all these packets of soy sauce that we're not going to use. Right. And the same thing with the ketchup. 
and utensils. I always say no utensils when I order stuff and they still put it in and it's mm-hmm. like such a waste because I toss them. Yeah. So just back to ketchup for a second. Yes. So it's the most consumed table sauce at U.S. restaurants with around 300,000 tons sold to food service last year, according to research, research firm Euromonitor. And even, even more is eaten at home. And the pandemic helped push retail ketchup sales in the U.S. over $1 billion in 2020, up 15% from 2019. And as we're not surprised, Kraft Heinz is ketchup's king, with the research firm saying Heinz holds nearly 70% of the U.S. retail market for the condiment. But the more than 150-year-old brand wasn't prepared for the pandemic. Well, nobody was. Nobody was, right. So, and just here's a little uh, side note. The ketchup packets... They're actually called sachets. That's the industry term. So more than likely, it's more of a shortage of containers to put them in. That would be my guess. Yeah. Because we've heard that a lot, like with right. the aluminum cans for beer. Probably, yeah. And bottles, mm-hmm. yeah. We will be right back with Chris Ciarcia. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94, by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. 
Please welcome from the new Savignon Wine Locker in American Trattoria, Chris Ciarcia. I almost said it right. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure for me to, to be here. So we originally met you at Anata, mm-hmm. and you, you were the manager in Sonway there for five years, right? Uh, correct. Correct. And yep. I, I see from your Facebook that you are originally from Connecticut. So what led you to St. Pete and what led you to the food and beverage profession? So um, I was working up in Connecticut at a bar called Dakota Steakhouse and Grill. Uh, loved my job there. I had I just graduated from Central Connecticut State University, had a degree in criminology, was trying to work in the criminology field, but I found myself enjoying bartending a lot more than, uh, than working in criminology, and the pay was a lot better as well. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to sound like a funny story, but one day I just uh, had a uh, faltering moment. I graduated from college. I said, I'm done with the cold. I want to go explore uh, down south. My, my dad ended up flying down to St. Petersburg, falling in love with the area, calling my mother uh, that very same day and said, hey, are you okay with us putting in an offer on a condo down here? And he ended up purchasing um, a place a year ago on uh, 1100 the North Shore, right across the street from the... Uh, um, from the pool? From the, the pool, park? yeah. The yeah, pool, yeah. the tennis courts. I was trying to think of the uh, the exact park name. I think it's North, North Shore uh, Park. North Shore Park, correct. Yeah. Um, so I luckily packed all my stuff uh, in my car drove down here because they weren't retired yet, moved into the place, never been down here, took a shot in the dark, uh, started at New York Life over in Tampa, lasted about three months uh, doing doing sales. Um, I'm a lot better behind a bar than I am <laughs> uh, on a call. Um, right. Started working at the Rusty Pelican over on cool. Point. Right. Um, dove into a little bit more higher end service there, had some good training, did some banquets, weddings, came over to St. Petersburg down the street, uh, walked into uh, Chuck Prater's place at the uh, the Birchwood, got hired there for a couple months, and then uh, ended up uh, next door at Anata. And uh, the rest is uh, the rest is history. Right. That's cool. Yeah, we, we love both those places. Yeah. Oh, yeah Birchwood and Anata. Yeah, they are, they are great. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that you remembered which rosé wine I loved and ordered a case for Anata for me. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, that I mean, was Schweiger. Uh, yep, the Schweiger. The Schweiger. Yeah. 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 That's that was awesome. awesome. Schweiger, yeah. the, great, the great vineyard. I remember it was the 2010 for the uh, the Cabernet yeah. that you uh, that you really liked. So yeah. it was. Yeah, we were, yeah I think we were, I saw you guys post a picture of it on uh, on Facebook. I was like, oh man, I actually just ordered a bunch of that. And <laughs> I, I love the mountain fruit. So yes, yeah. it's awesome. Uh, yeah. I I think that unfortunately they were one of the ones that got destroyed in the fire last year. Um. Like, sign- I know uh, the first fire, uh, I think in 2018, I know uh, Signorello. Um, yes, they did. Um, I know a lot of places, uh, even in Sonoma, Joseph Swan had some uh, impact. A lot of people got a lot of the, uh, the smoke damage. And I guess when it was about to clear out, there was a front coming down from the, uh, the Columbia Gorge, which pushed it back in, which let, made it linger there for, for extra days. I mean, the wine... The wine industry in general has been impacted not only by natural disasters, but also the uh, the recent shipping uh, problems uh, around the world. Right, right. Obviously, uh, we are in COVID time, so 
Yeah. Right. Right. Everything's impacted. Yes. Yeah. Including your new 1701 locker in American <laughs> yes. You had to wait. I think we we published our first piece announcing the news that you were going to open it in September 2019. Wow. And that you were planning on opening like early 2020. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we know what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, you hit always permit delays. I, I am dealing with a hundred year old building. I mean, first off, I'm super excited about the, uh, the location, the space. And as you said, you had some history on it. I know it's been a, a wine bar since uh, the, the early nineties. Yes. And uh, I'm just uh, hopefully kind of, bring it back to those, those days where people come up, feel comfortable here to have a glass of wine, some really good beer, hopefully some champagne, because I mean, you'll find me drinking champagne mostly. That's what I've been drinking a lot of lately. (laughs) Champagne and potato chips. Yes. It's a great pairing. And also it's a, it's good for your soul. It is is. totally. Yeah. So I was reading Everybody check out in uh, tampabay.com, which is the Tampa Bay times. Helen Froon wrote a nice write up on the place and I'm reading it and she said, and it's an historic building. And I'm like, well, what's the history? Well, I, I knew some of it already. I knew, right. I mean, I, I did know that the 200 block of Central Avenue uh, was the very, was the first block in St. Pete, mm-hmm. you know, the Detroit there. And a lot of that block was hotels and shops and whatnot. So I looked it up and, you know, this is where, where St. Petersburg started. And so this is the oldest and most significant block in the city. And it's the location for some of the city's earliest businesses. So the Detroit, everybody knows, that was built in 1888. Next to that, then, if you go west from the Detroit, heading towards third, mm-hmm. you, next would be the James Hotel. And then next, which is where Savignon Wine Locker is right now, was originally the St. Charles Hotel. So you are at, what, two, is it 241? Yep, 241. So I'm directly above um, five bucks. Five, five bucks, bucks right. Yep. Five so, bucks. so the St. Charles Hotel was 237 to 247 Central Avenue. It was constructed in 1904 by owner Mary Ramsey. The building once held the Royal Palms Theater, one of the first with electricity, and the McPherson Dent Bakery on the first floor. The second floor, which is where you are, was the St. Charles Hotel. I got that from preservetheburg.org. Don't bother to go look for it because their website's broken and it doesn't work. And I had to view the source code to find that information. <laughs> you did some digging. I, I, I commend you on that. Um, you know, speaking on the, the history of the building and being 100 years old, uh, I did. I was able to expose some uh, nice brick that was Ooh. covered up that that I, I'm I'm super excited. It makes the space. Uh, Lori, cool. I see exposed brick uh, yeah. by you on your side. Love that look. It'll look very similar to to that. Um, I can't wait for you guys to come in. I can't wait for guests to come in and just the, the general public in St. Pete to, to check out what, what we have uh, accomplished here. In this yeah, so uh, we're recording this on April 6th. It will air on April 20th. So there's a good chance you, you might be open. My, you think? Um, I, <laughs> you know, I hit a little problem uh, once again, but uh, I should be opening hopefully by the end of the month. Great. Okay, cool. We can't wait. Finally getting in there and starting uh, to bring in product and uh, start practicing. Nice. It's been a That's labor of love for sure. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody that remembers a taste for wine on Central Lab, that's the space. But you've greatly, you, you gutted it and made it completely a new space. Yeah. So we added a private dining area. 
if it's not used, we'll, we'll use it for additional seating. We, uh, we added a wine locker area for, for members, uh, which I'll go into detail in with, uh, with you guys, where, where I could store over 2,000 bottles of wine. Wow. Oh, wow. That's that, pretty awesome. That solar temperature. So I'm definitely excited uh, on that aspect mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the space. Nice. That's a lot of wine. I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. The bar looks beautiful. Super pumped on how that came out. Mm-hmm. I would like to go in there and have a drink myself. Awesome. Place. Yeah. Well, I think you'll be having a few. <laughs> well, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Hopefully you guys as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you have a huge wraparound mural from the Vitali brothers. Right. That looks gorgeous. That's that's the, the at the top of the Tampa Bay Times article. It's really right. cool. So it's Sauvignon Wine Locker and American Trattoria. I find this interesting because Trattoria implies Italian, but you have American in there as mm-hmm. well. So I, I went to my chef. I said, hey, what do you feel comfortable cooking? What do you want this menu to be? And he says he's really good at contemporary uh, American cuisine. And so we're doing, um, we are a mid-size, a medium-sized restaurant. So Trattoria Italian means a medium-sized restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have an Italian influence into his, uh, his menu of contemporary American. Uh, we do have homemade pasta that we will be making we have about four dishes for that we're making homemade gelato as well but, oh wow nice uh, he, he definitely wants to uh utilize proteins uh we're, we're bringing creekstone farm steaks uh here oh, nice. chicken um we're looking at doing lamb chops um i'm really pumped about many fresh scallops mm, nice that's very nice yeah and you did say, I want to clarify, because uh, you faded out a little bit, and it's, this, is, this is the pandemic Zoom era, but you did say fresh pasta that you're making. Correct. Mm-hmm. Homemade pasta. That's awesome. Yeah. And your sous chef came from where? Or the, um, your chef? It came from, was yeah. the sous chef, sous chef where again? Um, he was over at Park Shore Grill for years. Park Shore. That's right. I know Kevin yeah. mentioned him, but I... He was correct. the chef he worked with cuisine. Uh, Tyson. Yeah. What, what's chef his name? There. What's his name? Uh, uh, Chris Stockwell. Great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, Chris. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So let's yeah, talk about... He was over Altu- for a bit as well. Oh, good. Oh, that's cool. So that's how you know him, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's talk about all 2,000 bottles of wine. Okay. Actually, let's just talk about the wine program <laughs> in general. No problem. I have a little couple notes here awesome. on it. For bottles that we will be starting off with, we'll have 177 bottles uh, when we open up the door. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have 115 reds. Uh, 42 uh, bottles of white wine, 16 bottles, different uh, varietals of uh, bubbles, and four uh, different rosés. And nice. uh, in total, we'll have about 73 by the glass to start with. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, now, nice. Wow. Are you focusing mostly on domestic or are you doing international and domestic? It'll be a worldly uh, menu. I mean, uh, one of my favorite wines that we'll be selling by the glass is uh, called uh, Chateau Moussard. It's from Becca Valley, uh, Lebanon. Um, it, they kind of call it the uh, Bordeaux region mm. of, of Lebanon. The grapes are a little bit different, but it's something I can't wait for people to try because it's, it's definitely something unique in a lot of places. Do uh, not offer that. So my, my theory with wine is, uh, I mean, we're in St. Petersburg. We're in an area that we do have a lot of uh, tourists. But, I mean, the wine culture in general in St. Petersburg and Tampa Bay due to the fact that we have a lot of professionals down here and also our culinary scene in general, uh, because of people like you as well, and the exposure that the culinary scene down here is getting uh, has been been thriving. Um, there's not many places in the country where I'd be able to open up this style of uh, a wine bar, but because of people 
you know, like uh, Kurt and Mary who started, uh, for example, Anada or Kelly and Alex at Lolita's or Ryan and Corey over at uh, Cellar Masters. Like there's definitely a, there's definitely a culture here. Right. That's been developed and I'm, I'm happy to be a, a part of it. Yeah, it's definitely a more sophisticated culture here. And Rococo has a huge wine list as well as sea salt. So, oh, yeah. Right. I was actually at Rococo uh, last night. Uh, oh, nice. One of my favorite places. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite places to, to eat at. It's just such a beautiful space. Yeah. And let's do, oh. do a shout out also to uh, Sola Bistro and Wine Bar in St. Yes. Beach. I know, I know yeah. you like to go there too. And I'm probably there at least twice, uh, twice a week. If nobody, <laughs> if you haven't had the, uh, the ribeye at, uh, at Sola Bistro, it's, uh, it's a must as, as well. I have had it. Yeah. We love Tig and Art. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Tig and Art. <laughs> and how does the, uh, you have a private club membership. How does that work? So the, uh, the wine locker club, what it is, it's a, it's a yearly uh, subscription of $500 down. Now you get access to uh, reservations. Um, we do have about 30 tables. I have 120 wine lockers. I want to make sure that our locker members uh, have access to make uh, reservations. You also are able to buy uh, wines through Sauvignon to store in your locker at a more of a retail price instead of a uh, restaurant markup. Uh, my thing is, I'm, I'm here in St. Petersburg. I want to definitely involve, uh, be a place where, where locals come to. And I kind of want to be Cheers, but a wine bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where, where people kind of know each other's names. You could, you could walk into my place, uh, sit down at the bar, have a have a glass of wine next to a buddy that you see here constantly or just a random stranger that you meet from out of town, but uh, just create a good environment for it. And wine locker, uh, wine locker program is going to help me uh, learn how, what people want to drink and how things work with food. And I can't wait to expose people to, to new different um, wine and food pairings. It's uh, it's definitely something that, has driven me to do this locker program to get people involved. And we'll do little locker parties when, when the COVID restrictions uh, release, hopefully when everybody, you know, when vaccines are, are done and everybody's uh, able to return to a sense of normalcy. Um, I could definitely do, you know, different parties for, for members as well. And thank God that's on the horizon. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't tell you the relief that I've, I've had one shot so far and it's just like, Oh, can't wait. When this, by the time this comes out, we, we, we will, will have be had fully, our yes, second. Yes, we show. will have had our second. My yeah. son gets his J and J today. So, and he's I 18. If you show up at some places, uh, they, they tend to have extra vaccines. Yes. Before I open, I definitely want to uh, make sure I, I, I partake in that. Yes, yes, for sure. And um, so, how many wine lockers again did you say you're going to have? So, we have uh, about 120 of them. Okay. And it will oh, wow. be all temperature controlled. I'm going to keep it at 60 degrees. I'll have a little stand in there where people could, for example, if a locker member, I know they're coming in at six o'clock, I'll send them a message. Hey, would you like me to decant something ahead of time to, nice. to air it if they're fuller bodied wine? So I want to create a uh, great dining experience uh, for, for some of the locals uh, in the area. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you already have a wait list? Um, I have, uh, I'm, I'm almost completely done setting, setting it up. Uh, a lot of people have reached out to me. I hope I could accommodate everybody that wants one. Uh, I really, I really truly do. Um, but I, I do have a little list online where you could sign up on uh, Sauvignon uh, St. Pete.com and I'll, I'll fill people in on updated information as soon as I, I know my exact opening date. And how many bottles does a locker hold? 
a locker could hold uh, up to 16 bottles. Oh, nice. Cool. So and I do have storage for uh, magnums and uh, double magnums as well. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, Nick will need that kind of storage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I miss Nick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know he's going to be a club member. Oh, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back and i want to talk uh, have some more wine talk yes we'll be right back where can you find the freshest fish in saint pete well you can't get fresher than caught that day that's what you'll find at trophy fish the day boat special includes the fresh catch of the day cooked how you want it with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce they also have some incredible appetizers like grilled street corn that's like crack that stuff's so good incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District. They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch and at 5 for dinner. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine, and you can even get a regular old cheeseburger too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Engine, engine Can you get me back on time? We are back! We are back! We are back with Chris Ciarcia from Savignon Wine Locker and American Trattoria. And Chris, you are a certified level two sommelier. And I, I've read about this stuff in the past, but I did some more reading yesterday to prep for you and found out some interesting info. So right now, if you want to take the test for level two, first, you got to cough up $595. Yep. And if you fail, you don't get it back. That's your punishment. You should just get a wine lo- <laughs> wine locker membership instead. But yeah. so, so I, I actually found the test. It's pretty <laughs> it's crazy, and I mean, we we don't have time to go over the whole thing, but um, we got to do some of it because it's really cool. And this will make more sense when I go over some of the details of it. But um, so, how many uh, Chris? How many reds and whites do you have to assess for the test? So. So there's there's three there's three parts of the test. Um, the tasting part, you start off as the first thing that you do in the morning when you get to the test right at 8 a.m. Your palate is uh, they they always say test wine in the morning when you first wake up because your palate tends to be the the cleanest. That's what I'm going to so, say when I drink in the morning. Now I'm, te- yeah, I'm yeah, testing the wine. Yeah, yeah you, you got to <laughs> test it. So uh, they give you two reds and uh, two whites to taste. Huh. So you have to go through the whole deductive tasting grid that they they outline each level that you go 
the level one is different for than the level two and the level three, which is the advanced, and then uh, level four uh, is the final one. Um, they're all completely different. For the level two, you have to you have to look at the wine, you have to analyze the wine uh, by sight, smell, and taste, and you have to fill out the grid to kind of deduct what wine it is. So you're looking at what features are, what is the wine telling you is the best way I could, I could describe it. Um, mm -hmm. You want to make sure you're not just trying to guess or what you think it is. You want to look at the facts on the piece of paper that you deduct from actually smelling it, uh, looking at it, and then tasting it. And then you kind of say, hey, this is a white Burgundy. This is actually, no, this is a Chardonnay from the United States. And you try to find out little pieces of information and deduct what, what it is. It's a guess. You don't know. They actually don't. Right. Can, can, can we give you the test again? I'm sorry. Can we give you the test again when we come in? Um, I, I, <laughs> I've been out of it for a little bit, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's, it's a little, it's, it's very interesting, but it's also kind of intimidating. And so they start off with color and they give you three. This, this is for the reds yep. is what I printed out. Now I'm going to skip the first one for a second. The second choice is Ruby for color mm -hmm. and then purple the first yeah. choice garnet. is garnet i didn't even know garnet what is that? i didn't even know that's a color yes that's um, a color how did you not know yeah. that's a color yeah gar garnet i would say is more of a if, if you're looking at pinot noirs or that lighter that lighter purple yeah in the yeah. center if, if you take your wine glass and i'll use my my water bottle as a thing and you stare directly in the uh the center of it if you kind of see to the base of it, it's probably Garnet if it's, a, it's mm. if it's a deeper. I mean, Cabernet is a more tannic grape, more fuller body grapes uh, that have more oak to them as well. You won't be able to see see through, and they're definitely right. more of a purple color. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. And they'll they'll, they'll lighten up as the, as they age in the bottle as well. So uh, they they call it rim variation. If you tilt the glass to the uh, the side, uh, you could see the different hues in the wine as you're looking right. at it from top to the bottom, to the center of it. Right. Cool. Yeah. And then the next section is fruit. I'm skipping yep. over some, some of the stuff, but part of what they have is fruit condition nose. So this is mm -hmm. the aroma. Mm -hmm. is, is it tart, ripe, overripe, jammy, stewed, or baked, dried, oxidative? Huh. Pretty cool, right? And then yes. they have fruit condition palate, tart, ripe, Overripe jammy stewed, same as the same as nose, I guess. They have the same stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. But and then they say up to two fruit condition boxes may be filled in for nose. And they say the same thing for palate. And then on non-fruit, I'm just gonna rattle them off real quick. It's yes or no. Floral, vegetable, vegetal, green pepper, savory dried herbs, tomato leaf, mint, eucalyptus, peppercorn, coffee, cocoa, mocha. Game blood cured meat leather. <laughs> I like the leather. Wow. Those are your rounds. Yeah. Balsamic tar, organic earth, forest floor, wet leaves, mushrooms, inorganic earth, stone, rock, mineral, sulfur, new oak, vanilla, smoke, toast, coconut. Interesting. The only, cool. only term in there that I've ever heard really described for a taste was forest floor, which was actually <laughs> an Epcot food and wine festival, Pinot Noir uh, seminar I was in. <laughs> so, so a little funny story. I mean, I, I took the test twice. I passed on my second time. The first time I went there and, you know, 
what we're doing, just like chefs, is we're we're trying to train train our palate to pick out certain uh, characteristics that the wine is uh, showing. So the first time I went there, you know, I was I was at Nada, heavily working in the wine industry. Um, the wines that I were I was drinking were not the same style of wines that were on the test, and oh. I was drinking a little bit of a higher end one. So for my expression of a Rioja, I'm thinking you know Grand Reservas or Reserva Vina Tondonias that have age to them. What you're getting test on are the young, fresh styles of Rioja or Tempranillos from the area. So I learned really quickly. I had my palate was trained in a different way, and I had to go back in the second time and literally buy a Corvin system uh, to train my palate by pouring different cool. lesser price point wines to expose myself to those tastes, um, which was really interesting. And I, I, I was struggling always between malbec and uh, merlot especially from the united states hmm. at a price point i would say under 15 dollars. and then i was also struggling between San, entry level sangiovese which is the base grape uh, for chianti and um, tempranillo which is the base grape for riojas there were very similar characteristics uh, mm -hmm. between them and i had to at the at a, at the higher at the higher end level of wine it's it's very clear and you can tell the differences but mm. for things that are a little bit more mass produced where they use uh, extra oak or uh, longer um, extraction times to kind of hide imperfections, it was hard for me to uh, determine. That's one thing that at the level two test, which was vastly different than the level uh, than the level one. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. And this is here's just a little bit more of it towards the end. The conclusion, they want you to figure out what is the primary grape. What's the world of origin, new world, old world, and explain why. Type of climate, cool, moderate, or warm, and explain why. This is serious stuff, man. Yeah. General age, one to three years, four to six years, seven plus years. And then, this is the best part. The very last thing is, <laughs> give us your sales pitch. Sell this wine to your guest in two sentences or less. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that's actually the hardest part of it. The hardest right? part because you get 20 minutes to do all four wines. You have about five, five minutes. And- I was lucky uh, for when I was going for my second time for the level two, the two test, uh, Gregory Schwab, that who was the uh, manager in uh, sommelier over at Haven, he had a tasting group. So at the tasting group, uh, sometimes Andy McNamara would be there. Uh, Julian from Farnave would be there. You know, Gregory Schwab was a level three uh, uh, taster. Um, Chelsea Esposito was there and she's a level two as well. Uh, Sully over at Roca who was level two. So we had a good group of uh, people there and we would all sit around like a bunch of wine uh, cork dorks and analyze <laughs> wine and I will be honest uh, if it wasn't for Gregory Schwab and uh, people like Julian and uh, other people in uh, my my wine career that have helped me I would not have passed level two you, you can't just do it on your own it's not one of those things where you read a book and you'll pass to level two you could probably pass the level one test by just mm -hmm. reading the, uh, the documents what they get but you have to get out there um, try different wines, explore different regions. And I always tell people, if you really want to know if a wine is good or not and you like it, buy a case of that wine, drink it in different scenarios, have it with some food, don't have it with food, try it at different occasions. And throughout drinking a whole case of wine, you could you could kind of determine, it's like, man, I let this wine air for an hour or two, I really like this. Or, you know what, I really like it right when, as soon as you pop the bottle, you get to experience the wine in different ways. So I always tell people when it comes to, to getting a wine, if you like a bottle, try to buy a case of it, mm -hmm. see if you truly like it or not. And yeah. then if you like it, 
buy another case and just save it because once the vintage is gone, it, it's right. gone. It's gone. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been learning that the hard way, but yeah, yeah me too. I, I totally get that though, because it's, it's totally true. Like what, what I'll do is sometimes I'll, I'll just like get a, a selection, like one of this, one of that, one of get a, get a bunch of ones. And then if I really love something, I take a picture of it because then I'm going to do other stuff and I'm going to forget about it. And then later on, I'll be going through my, my photos. And I'm like, Oh, there's that bottle. I got to order a case of that and I'll do yeah. that. And then I just did this recently. And then I took the first bottle uh, from after it rested for a while in my wine cooler, opened a bottle. And the first time I had it, I had it with food. And now this time I'm having it without food. I'm like, huh, this isn't uh, getting me as excited as it did before, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be different. It's also depends. That's easy for me to say. It also depends like on your body chemistry, your environment, what you ate or didn't eat before and during. So, yeah. And we've we used to, one of my other, my older businesses, I used to have a cigar review website and the way we, when we would do a cigar review, you'd have to smoke an entire box of the cigars over a month period before you could write the review. That was our rule. Not all of them do that. Right. And now with my, with pipes magazine, Kyle, my reviewer, he has to smoke the entire tin. So that's, I forget how many bowls it is like 20 bowls. <laughs> he has to smoke yep. before he can review it. So it's the same thing with wine. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. It was interesting. I, um, you know, I love Dave Finney and uh, yep. we, uh, I ordered cause Nick was talking about eight years in the desert and, you know, and the whole story behind that. And um, anyway, long story short, I bought, I think three bottles. I didn't buy a whole case. Like, like the vino does their thing and it yep. was on special or whatever. So when I first got it, I, I opened one and I drank it and I was like very unimpressed. I don't even think I shared it with Kevin. I had it myself, yeah. but I wasn't, I wasn't at all impressed. So it sat in my wine refrigerator for the other bottles for a while. And I think we just popped it open. What? last week, a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. and it's been a year or two. Yeah. Holy crap. Was that wine so much better? It oh, was yeah. so it, good. Sometimes yeah. in the bottle, it just gets better and better. As long yeah. as it's stored properly, uh, it, it's good. And, and, you know, for locker members as well, I will have uh, an integrated website where I will be tracking what everybody uh, um, is purchasing. And I'll ask for little reviews and based on what it is. I can kind of gauge where I want to help try to send their palette in what direction. Um, as well. So I'm really excited about, you know, that aspect of the locker program as well. That's really cool. Kevin, I think we need to sign up for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Chris, there's, there's just two things I know about wine for sure. One, I know what I like. Yep. And two, I'll never run out of new things to learn. So on that note, what are some of the newer or non-classic types of wine you would recommend exploring? maybe new regions, new grapes. So, you know, one classic grape that I would love to be open to exploring more is uh, Riesling. Um, Riesling is one of those grapes where a lot of people, based on just the history of the world, especially in the United States, uh, a lot of people think it's a uh, sweet wine, mm -hmm. uh, but there's most Riesling out there is, is dry wine. So after World War II, when uh, Europe was uh, in shambles uh, because, because of the war, um, their economies uh, needed to bounce back. So what they were doing is uh, in Germany, they were exporting a lot of sweet Riesling because that's what the GIs like to drink. So back uh -huh. home, they had a taste for, for you know, sweeter, um, sweeter white wines from the region. So we ended up importing a lot of the sweet Riesling uh, that 
being made and uh, not much of the uh, the dry. And Interesting. Right now, it, yeah, things are changing. I mean, I highly recommend people try an Alsatian Riesling, uh, Trimbach. You can get a bottle um, in a in a in your total wine or most stores will have it between twenty and twenty five dollars. Um, you know, going along that another another grape that would be a little bit more um, newer. Uh, I think uh, one grape I kind of discovered lately is called a Valdegay. Um, and a little history on Valdegay, it's, it originated, I, I believe in, oh no, I'm, I'm catching myself. It's either uh, south of France or the region of um, Spain, I believe. Uh, somebody will reach out to me and correct me if I yeah, <laughs> I, I got lucky enough to go out to a jo- Joseph Swan uh, winery over in uh, Sonoma and um, they were known for in the 70s, they, they were planting Gamay and they had this unicorn bottle of wine, which is a 1970 uh, Gamay. But uh, when they actually did the research, the, the wine, the grape was actually Valdegay. It wasn't Gamay. So you see Davis <laughs> kind of dissected it and said, hey, uh, this is actually Valdegay. Um, so you'll see Valdegay used as a blending grape a lot, um, just like Merlot is. Especially in California, uh, producers like Lioko uh, out there will, will use Valdegay, but Joseph Swan makes this a uh, beautiful 100% uh, Valdegay. Um, wow. and I kind of call it a cross between a Beaujolais and a Southern Rhone, more of the uh, the Grenache Mavedra than the uh, hmm. depth that you get from a uh, uh, Syrah. Um, so it's a lighter I style. Like, yeah, I would love Red. to you know, bring that in if I, if, if they produce enough, uh, one day to expose people to it. Um, but, uh, also things like Spotsburgunders, um, that is a, a German Pinot Noir. They call it a Spotsburgunder and it has mm. definitely a cooler climate, um, taste to it. But Germany right now is starting to make some phenomenal red wines as, as global warming is happening, certain regions that red wine did not produce red grapes to not produce necessarily well in are starting to uh, produce. Interesting. Yeah. I've I've been learning things in just different regions. Um, You know, I I love Austrian wines, uh, definitely Chile. Um, If anybody can pick up some Chilean Syrahs, I mean, Mm -hmm. the the smoothness that you get, the pepper uh, that that comes out of it, as you said before, that meaty uh, leatheriness that you you could get for value wise. Um, I look to Washington, Washington state, not just Napa Valley. You'll never right. hear me say a bad word about anything from Napa because that's that's one of my favorite wine regions in the world that made me fall in love uh, with wine. But but please check out Washington. Paso Robles is doing some great stuff mm-hmm. uh, as well. Oregon. Um, there's great producer that I got exposed to, uh, Force Majeure. Uh, he, he used to be the uh, the winemaker for Bryant family, and he makes some some of the best uh, red wines I've ever had in, in my life. Um, Vapiano Vineyards up there in Walla Walla as well is, a, is another one. Check out their website. They have one of the best uh, rosés I've ever had. It's 100% Cab Franc uh, that he does produce by uh, Justin um, out there. It is absolutely amazing. Um, wine regions. My thing with wine is you, you have to go kind of explore it. Yeah. You got to go, you got to go to where it's being grown and that's where you kind of fall in love with. And you, you need to have a story uh, to tell people about it. Yeah, totally. So totally agree with that. Having gone to Napa many, many times myself. Yeah. So you, you're talking <laughs> about the different climates. Are there certain characteristics that you can detect uh, that would help you detect if a wine is from a warmer or a cooler climate? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so 
it's a loaded question, and the best way <laughs> I could uh, describe it is um, I'll use um, I'll use Sauvignon Blanc as an example. Um, some of my favorite Sauvignon Blancs come from uh, the Loire Valley in a, a place called Sancerre. Uh, it's definitely a little bit cooler climate. So for a cooler <laughs> climate, Sauvignon Blanc, some notes I would look for would be um, more like lime, uh, a little bit more like tart lemon. Um, you'll get these grassy notes. If it is a warmer climate one, say from Paso Robles, you'll start to get, instead of the lime and lemon, you'll get warmer fruits like nectarine uh, <laughs> out of it some tangerine as well, some a little bit of, uh, you'll still get the lemon and lime notes, but from warmer climate, Sauvignon Blancs, they tend to provide a little bit more fruit in the finish and uh, the acidity in a cooler climate wine, like a Sancerre, you will feel more of that on your, uh, on your mouth and your palate. So, so would it be correct to say that the cooler climate is a little more bright on the uh, taste and warmer climate a little softer um you you could you could say that you're, you're gonna get a little bit more expression of the fruit on a warmer climate where you'll get a little bit more of the body and weight of the wine i would say on a uh, cooler climate nice well sancerre is one of my favorites yeah yeah we love it, <laughs> love so, it. yeah i mean you know sancerre I, I love the crispness of it i think mm -hmm. it, it goes good with uh a lot a lot i mean cheese charcuterie uh Grilled vegetables, uh, seafood. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. awesome. so, so regarding sparkling wine, we were recently informed that uh, there's a trend away from champagne flutes and towards white wine glasses. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about that? And what do you think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I love the celebration of clinking champagne glasses together. It's, it's all up to the individual. My thing is I love to taste wine with my nose first. So if you have a champagne in a, in a wine glass and you're swirling around, you could, you could stick your nose into it and you always taste with your nose first. So I love getting those uh, toasty, nutty, brioche uh, um, aromas. Mm -hmm. From it. So me personally, I also drink my uh, champagne probably around 50 to 55 degrees. I actually like it to, uh, to warm up a get warm up a bit. People love slamming it cold. I'm all, I, I love slamming it cold too, but if you could let a champagne sit in a glass, all it is, is it's Chardonnay or Pinot Noir or um, Mounier uh, with, with bubbles added to it. It's still at its base. It's still a, if you do a Blanc de Blanc, which just means uh, Chardonnay, it's right. still Chardonnay. Right. So, as Chardonnay sits there and warms up and the cold fades away, you get to see uh, the actual flavors of the wine. Right. wine. Um, if anybody gets a chance to ever have Cristal and uh, let it warm up a little bit, I know I sound crazy, but the flavors that you get out of Cristal when it has come to room temperature as opposed to being ice cold is, uh, is mind-blowing. It's, uh, it's an aha moment. It was an aha moment for, for me. Yeah. Well, maybe one day we'll get a chance to have Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> With Chris. With yeah. <laughs> I know I sound terrible saying that, using it as an example, but <laughs> one of those things where, uh, I mean, if you can, that that's definitely a wine that will uh, will change your your view on uh, champagne. Yeah. One of cool. my my favorite uh, bubbles is Schramsberg. Yep. Awesome. Um, and I I was recently at ABC. I know I shouldn't buy my 
my bubbles there, but I did. I did. And, and I asked the woman there, I said, you know, I love Schramsburg, but I don't always want to pay $40 for a bottle of Blanc de Blanc. And so she pointed me to this. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Vouve and Ball. Not I'll off the to- top of my head. No, but she said that it's made in the traditional champagne method as Schramsberg is as well. And, um, and she said that it, it was like one bottle was $16.99. And then here's the reserve for $21.99. I'm like, well, I'll just try this reserve. And she was right. It's very, very similar. I was very, very surprised. But it's one of my new favorites. There's, I mean, there's a lot of regions besides uh, champagne that are making uh, phenomenal bubbles. And as you just uh, listed, uh, Stromsburg. I, I went to Stromsburg and seeing their caves is out, was incredible with, with what they're doing also with Jay Davies over there. I mean, Domaine Caneros as well uh, makes uh, phenomenal bubbles. A lot of the uh, champagne houses in Champagne have uh, over here in the U.S. Uh, that are producing bubbles as well. You have Mum, you have, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Domaine Caneros is from Tattinger as well. So uh, you have Chandon, which is Moet and Chandon's. Right. I mean, me personally, anybody that comes in here and talks to me, I'll definitely be talking about champagne because nobody's ever mad when they're drinking a glass of champagne. You have to be happy. <laughs> right. Right. And one, and one of the things that uh, we, we've heard before is that don't think of champagne or sparkling wine as just for special occasions like New Year's exactly. Eve or whatever. Pair it with potato chips. We yeah. learned that from you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Champagne, awesome, mom. Champagne goes with everything. It, it has those bubbles. It, it'll cleanse. It's the best palate cleanser besides, let, let me restate that. Beer is the best palate cleanser ever created, uh, hands down. Um, the reason why people love beer so much and it goes great with chicken wings, it goes to, if you're coating your palate, your, your, your taste buds are constantly getting coated with uh, grease, fat. Beer will rip off all that and set you up for your next best bite. And uh, yeah. champagne and wine does the, the same thing. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So we cannot wait to come in. Yeah, we're very excited. Sauvignon Wine Locker and American Trattoria. It's on the 200 block of Central Avenue, which is, that's the block. Uh, <laughs> and Monday close. Monday's a day off. Got to rest. Right. Tuesday through Friday, 4 p.m. to midnight. Yep. Saturday, I like this, 10 a.m. Nice. We're testing the wine at 10 a.m. <laughs> t- till midnight. Sunday, also 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And then there's brunch on the weekends saturdays from 10 to 3 and sunday all day nice very nice yeah so for for brunch uh when we brunch the brunch menu will be available plus the dinner menu uh during brunch so if somebody cool. wants to come in get a uh, creekstone farms uh, steak uh i mean by all means uh why not now that being said is i will make sure we'll probably when we open we'll start with dinner only i want to make sure the uh until i get the go ahead from from chef that he feels comfortable with our our dinner service we will open uh, for brunch, uh, just like many other people uh, in the area um, have been affected by COVID. Uh, we are the whole restaurant industry is looking for for staffing. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. We've yes. heard. <laughs> We've heard a lot of that. Yes. Okay, people, get back to work. Get off the couch. There's, <laughs> there's jobs out there to be filled. So it's the website is SavignonStPete.com. On Instagram, it's Savignon St. Pete as well. And on Facebook, it's the full name, Savignon Wine Locker and American Trattoria. And you can find them at 241 Central Avenue upstairs. Yep. Yes. And, uh, Chris Garcia, thank you so much. No problem. And just as a last thing, as a little teaser as well, uh, Petite Sauvage uh, will be coming soon after. 
Oh, awesome. oh, nice. Okay. I'll be, I'll be our next concept that is already in the works, which means nice. a little savage because Sauvignon means savage. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you again, Chris. Yes, thanks, thank, Chris. Thank you so we'll much be, for your time. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. We have three new reviews on the website. You'll find Orange Belt Cafe, which is serving up great breakfast and lunch sandwiches inside of Bob Lee's on 4th Street North. On the Fly Food Hall is a semi-new concept by Chichio Restaurant Group, and it includes Taco Dirty, Better Bird, Sweet Soul, and Fresh Kitchen all in one spot. And She's So Crispy, you, you may remember we interviewed Ronica Whaley. They now have a permanent space at the Edge Collective, and they are serving up amazing gyoza, bao buns, soup dumplings, and dirty rice. You'll find all of that and more at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, our guest is Don Nguyen, and we will be talking Asian food. You don't want to miss this one. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Chris Ciarcia. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dr. Barbecues. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Do you know about the Michelamen? It is a book. It is the book, Jana. The Bible. Michelin sends its inspectors to restaurants to eat and award stars. One, two, three. Or none. No one knows who they are. No one. They come, they eat, they go. But they have habits. They have to stick to a routine to give every restaurant the same chance. Michelamen eat in pairs. Sometimes the Michelin man can even be a woman. They always book a table before 7.30. The first of the pair arrives early and has a drink at the bar. His partner arrives half an hour later. One orders the tasting menu, the other one a la carte. Always. They order half a bottle of wine, they ask for tap water, they wear business suits, they're polite. But attention, they may place a fork on the floor under the table to see if you notice. And they wouldn't drop it because that could make a noise and make it too easy. Everything from now on must be perfect. Not good, not excellent, perfect.